is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by none of my co-hosts. It is just me <laughs> riding solo for a Matt Law special. And that's what you get when Nick's traveling, Matt, and Dan is West Coast. And this is just really early for him. Yeah, I think I think we have done this just the two of us before, yeah. haven't we? We should play just the two of us in the background. It'd be quite romantic, I think. But yeah, we've been here before. We can get through this. Yeah, no, not... A problem at all. Um, but as you guys know, Matt Law, uh, bringing in a lot of the details, especially right now, it's still silly season. It's going to be for another few weeks, but the season's kicked off. So now there's extra twists and turns and complications. So we'll go ahead and hit all the updates on what in the world is going on with Mr. Bully and all his Mykonos trips and whatnot. So uh, kicking it off, Matt, uh, Wesley Fafana is the big story, the big signing from what we hear, the number one target before the transfer window ends. And apparently pushing Lester's resolve pretty crazy. Like the numbers we're seeing are, at least to me, are getting pretty high. <laughs> yeah, look, um, I don't think it's quite as linear as Chelsea making bid after bid from what I'm told. I don't think they're just going in, bidding, waiting for a response, going away, bidding, waiting for a response, going away, which it can seem a little bit like when you read some of the reports. Um, I'm told it's way more linear than that. There are just sort of very much ongoing talks where numbers are being discussed. And within numbers being discussed, obviously, uh, Leicester have, have said a, a couple of numbers probably don't hit what, what they want. I think Chelsea have certainly talked about a bid in the in the region of the 60s, then closer to the 70s. But I'm not sure they've actually submitted formal bids, as it were, which is always a little bit difficult around the language on transfers. But uh, look, I think the really interesting thing on the, the Leicester Fafana deal is I know that Chelsea on some players this summer have picked up the telephone and just been told, we're not even going to talk to you. You know, that for, for X player you've just called about, and the, the players I'm referring to, I can't really name on here, but the, the player that you're calling about, we, we cannot talk, we won't talk to you, and we cannot talk to you. Thank you, goodbye. Then they made it very clear there's no talks. Chelsea haven't had that off Leicester. Whatever Leicester say publicly about their intention not to sell Wesley Fofana, they haven't told them to stop calling or that they don't want to talk to them which I think shows us that there is a deal to be done should Chelsea go high enough. I I, I see. Um, that's interesting. Uh, and I guess is, that's a good point. Like when we say formal bid, I'm assuming that a club submits like actual paperwork that's like registered somewhere. Whereas like what you're saying is they're just having formal discussions of like, hey, how about this offer? What about these add-ons? What about this player or things like that? That's kind of what you're saying is more of what's going on? Yeah, exactly, exactly. What well, It can get lost in the language a bit because, you know, I can ring up clubs or contacts and say, I've heard there's a bid being put in for this player. And they'll say, no, there hasn't been a bid. And then I sort of work out that there's been a lot of talks, but that bid in writing, as it were, or actually sort of communicating the fact that this is a bid for you to accept or reject hasn't actually gone in. So clubs can be clever around the semantics, but certainly on Fafana, I think it's more conversations and conversations around numbers than specific bids, like say going in, going away, bid again, go away, bid again. It's just not that linear in this one. And and that's why I find it again, really interesting that at no stage have Leicester said, look, just stop calling us or, you know, we're not going to have these talks. It, it suggests that there are, 
there is a position that both could get to within the talks that, that see Leicester do some business. And I think that's why Chelsea continue to pursue it. Well, look, uh, how about this? Is it Fofana or bust? Obviously, it seems like Chelsea are going hard, hard, hard. But is there a backup option if if the numbers just get too crazy and Leicester end up just pricing us out? Look, it's too early in the in the window. I know it feels late in the window, but, you know, say this was January, we'd still be in the first week of the window. There's still an awful lot of this window left to just say it's Fofana or bust. I do think with Aspie staying were they to walk away from Fafana, maybe they'll look more towards the sort of right side of defence than a traditional centre-back and perhaps reevaluate that a little bit. There's so many sort of variables in it. It doesn't necessarily mean they don't sign any defender, but they could sign someone who's more apt at sort of helping out at right wing-back and that brings Reese into the conversation in the back three, which I know we've talked about not really liking and things like that. There's, there are a lot of variables around it, but it's become clear the last week or so that Fafana, having not necessarily been someone they thought they could get at the start of the window, has really become a primary, primary target. And I, I think they will continue the talks and, and push as, as far as they can on it. And look, as, as we sit here now, it feels like, like I keep saying, that there is a deal to be done within there. So uh, we're thinking of probably... No time soon. Uh, Chelsea will be patient. Leicester are probably going to be patient while they try to back up or find a backup option and things like that. So no rush on on Mr. Wesley at this point is is how I we should well, kind of pace ourselves. I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know on the time All scale right. of it. I don't know. I wouldn't want to say that. Could, we could have <laughs> had enough of this, haven't we, the last week? I mean, I've got to say, covering Chelsea this summer has been as tough as covering Chelsea has ever been because, you know, when you know the ownership well and you know the people involved well and you you have a base to work from, you, you, you get a good sense of where they will go and what they will do with things. We're, we're all in new territory with this. Um, and it's been, I think, difficult for all correspondents covering Chelsea this summer. And it wouldn't surprise me if I woke up this morning and found they'd suddenly hit the number. Equally, sure. it wouldn't surprise me if I woke up this morning to find out they've walked away from it. Equally, it wouldn't surprise me if I woke up and everything was exactly, you know... It's yeah. impossible. In terms of a timescale on it, absolutely impossible to predict. A couple of Chelsea's deals like Koulibaly and Cucurella have moved incredibly quickly. Other deals, even the Sterling one that they got over the line, have dragged and dragged and dragged. Sterling got done and then others fell apart. Mm. All right, fair enough. Uh, but there is hope, light at the end of the tunnel for Chelsea fans, at least at this point for Fofana. Uh, the next one, Timo spotted in Germany, seems all but done with RB Leipzig medicals, I believe today, maybe already done. Uh, and since Europe is ahead of us, um, if Ziyech is potentially looking to leave, even if Callum goes on loan, all of a sudden we have a pretty light attacking line um, I believe wasn't, weren't you talking about Aubameyang last week before it was like publicly announced potentially, it seems like there's a few striking targets that Chelsea are now really going after. And is it striker or is it maybe the wide attackers that they're looking for? Look, my, my belief, and I can't say that I've been told this is fact, but my belief is that Aubameyang is very much the number one option of what they could realistically do on the forward line. And he would obviously, he can play out wide, but he would be more of what you would call that number nine um, to probably come in and, and, and fill a space through the middle. I know he, he can play off the flank and has played a lot off the flank. But if he came in, I would expect him to play more through the middle and as a more traditional striker. He was exactly the striker I was referring to last week. 
uh, it became public, I think, about 24 hours after I'd been on the show. But um, his agents have been in at Barcelona today, that being Tuesday afternoon, to talk to Barcelona about what the situation is. They're not making it, I would stress, they're not making any demands to leave Barcelona. Um, I think their view is what will be, will be. They're, they're leaving everything open from what I understand. But they do, they have gone into Barcelona just to discuss, you know, are you guys going to talk to Chelsea? Are you not going to talk to Chelsea? Is this something we need to think about? Is this something we need to set, sit down with Pierre and discuss with him? Or is it a no-go? No I would expect in the next 24 to 48 hours, we'll have a much clearer idea of whether it's worth Chelsea formalising their interest in Aubameyang or whether it's something that just can't happen. But he, because of that link with Tuchel, because he's a number nine, actually because almost because of his age as well, because he would he would provide them with a solution, but also not blocking a lot of things off in the future. Um, he makes a lot of sense for them on a lot of, he ticks a lot of boxes, makes a lot of sense for them. So I believe that he is the number one target of a forward signing, but he's not the only target. And a bit like I've just been talking about with the defence, if they can't get a Bamiyang, they won't necessarily focus on trying to find someone who can definitely play through the middle. They can easily, a bit like they did with Sterling, look at ways of trying to find more goals off the flanks um, and better support off the flanks. So, it, again, it's, it's difficult to say if they don't do this, they'll do this, or if they don't do this, they'll do that, because there's lots of variables within it. And I know that that will sound a slightly fudged answer, but that's just the reality of the situation. I agree with you. Look, I, I made a check on ZH yesterday. I thought maybe because he'd been on the bench and because Werner was going, and now it looks like Callum might go, that potentially there might have been some sort of conversation had that had seen ZH sort of... Uh, move more towards staying, but the information I got this week was still that that, that ZH probably would prefer to leave, and that there's still hope that a deal can be done with AC Milan or another club, albeit more likely right towards the end of the transfer window, because it's very unlikely Chelsea would green like that if they hadn't managed to bring anybody in, and Werner and potentially Hudson Odoi had, had gone. Right, and I think that's what makes things really interesting. I mean, is the it seems like there's the the commonality of, you know, oh, uh, Aubameyang and Tuchel have worked together, so at least there's some familiarity, quickness. I know he's on mega wages. Uh, there's the Arsenal he's angle. It's definitely... Not. Oh, is he, he not? He, well, his wage situation is really weird and interesting because he took a massive wage cut to join Barcelona with the agreement that from this season onwards, that wage package would increase significantly. So... I don't know the exact figures, but I think he was on under £100,000 a week when he joined Barcelona. And I think this summer, that wage packet is due to go past £200,000 a week. But we know the problems Barcelona are having with wages. Can they still fulfil that commitment? That's, I'm sure that's what the agents are also talking about to Barcelona today. Can they still fulfil the agreement that, that um, Aubameyang's wage was meant to more than double this summer? He also has a get-out clause next summer, which both parties wanted because of his age. Whether that get-out clause can be brought year forward a year, things like that. So again, it's very difficult to know how much Aubameyang would cost Chelsea at the moment because he's not on a realistic wage at Barcelona because he was put on a very low wage under an agreement. And he was a free transfer. 
Um, so in terms of both transfer fee and wages, it's actually really difficult to equate. And these are the kind of things that Chelsea, while having an interest in Aubameyang, need to find out before really thinking about whether they formalize that interest. For sure. Uh, the other one, the other names are Depay, Osimhen, and even Ivan Tony from obviously Barca, Napoli, and Brentford. Any connections with any of those that you've heard? I, I think Memphis Depay has been... <laughs> Chelsea and Barcelona in this weird situation at the moment where they they seem sort of great allies in one respect and talking a lot and then keep also stabbing each other on, in the back in various deals. But it doesn't seem to be bothering either of them. It is and it is a funny dance that is happening this is summer. A really, it's a really weird dance between the two clubs. And um, Memphis is, is a player that's been mentioned to Chelsea. Barcelona, I think, will only let one of Memphis or Aubameyang go. Uh and again, Memphis, I think, is of interest to Chelsea. Certainly not of the strength of interest that there is in Aubameyang. Um, he, to me, would look like more of a sort of Werner, Ziyech kind of replacement squad stroke flank type player rather than that come in and, and maybe take the number nine and really try and, and start every game and score all the goals. But yes, he's been mentioned. He hasn't yet been dismissed, but he, his situation is very tied into the Aubameyang situation. I don't know. You might be able to tell me. I don't actually know where the Ivan Tony links come from. I, um, I'm yeah. I'm not sure how how strong they are. Um, my thing is like he starts off the season strong and then kind of struggled the rest of the way last season. And here we go. He scored again, and it's just like oh, a little too early. Like he hasn't done it over the whole season. Um, yep. but look, yeah. I, Ivan Tony, this is not to say that Chelsea don't have an interest in him, but I'll just be honest. He's, he's never a name that's come up in conversation. Yeah. With me. I'm worried about the Osman. Even if you like, you do get something again with Napoli, they paid so much for him. Like he would probably just be astronomical price to get him out of a Napoli because he's young. They paid a lot. Aurelio De, De Laurentiis, like all the factors that make it difficult to deal with, even though the Koulibaly deal went pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean... It's an interesting one just to keep a little eye on that one, just because um, I mentioned it to someone last week and, and kind of dismissed it almost and said, look, they've already sold Kulabali this summer. They're surely not going to sell him to. A person who has a knowledge of, of, of Italian football and of, of Napoli said, look, they, they still need money. Um, there's a situation at Napoli and they do still need money. I don't know whether that means that there could be something to do there, but um, it's, it's probably not worth fully dismissing that Chelsea might have a have a go at that and from all from everything you hear that the the cooler Bali negotiations went very smoothly and very well so they must have a slight relationship with the uh, the president over at napoli which not many people do to be fair yeah yeah especially with some of his recent quotes on the afcon wow. um all right so what about broya uh, you think that he's going to stick around? Or are they going to use the rest of the window to kind of see how things go? Obviously, he got minutes uh, in the opening match uh, against Everton, but uh, there's still a long ways to go kind of with probably him feeling like he's got a future there. Yeah, again, I think we, we talked about him last week. I, I think it won't be something that becomes certain until right at the end of the window, um, depending a little bit on how much business Chelsea do or don't do incoming, also on outgoing. But I think it's clear that Tuchel would like to have him around, actually. I think that's become clear that Tuchel would like to have him around. But whether that's realistic once the transfer window is getting towards the end and 
if Chelsea have signed a couple or haven't sold a couple and signed one and, you know, if the numbers around the attackers are getting silly and it's clear that it's going to cause Broyer a big problem, then maybe it's not realistic. But I think in an ideal world, it's become clear that, that Tuchel would, would probably like to have him around. All right. Um, I think we're going to stop there uh, with with this. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back all about Frankie de Jong and kind of where that stands. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. All right. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well... It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in, you know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we gotta add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it, it, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. Um... Matt, on the flip side, uh, a lot of chat about Frankie Dion, uh, insert quote about funny dance with Barca this summer. Um, it's very complicated with him in Barcelona and, and owed wages and, and apparently legal action about his contract. It's all quite, quite weird. United are interested, but he seems like he does not want to go to that project. I kind of put out a tweet. You even kind of responded and said that, in your opinion, Frankie Dion is a top player and would be a top signing but Chelsea need a striker desperately far more than a midfielder. So is this kind of just testing waters, you know, getting another potential no, that, lined that, up? No, that, that was my opinion. I mean, um, they're, they're genuinely in for him. And I think if they could do it, they'd, they'd do it regardless of the striker situation or, or anything else. Um, the interest certainly seems to over the last sort of five days to week to one week really ramped up a notch from Chelsea's perspective. The problem is, I mean, I had a my last proper check on on De Jong was yesterday on Monday like afternoon, and I was told that uh, he'd actually told Barcelona he wants to stay, um, regardless of what's going on with his wages. Now, that might not be a position he can realistically keep if things don't get sorted, or if Barcelona try hard to push him out the door because of his wage situation, um, but. At the moment, he's telling Barcelona he wants to stay and his preference is to stay. And I don't think Chelsea will make a bid as such for Frankie de Jong until any time at which they receive encouragement that he's actually now decided, actually, 
I did want to stay, but it's not going to be possible and and I want to go. Now, I think if he does change his mind, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, I, I do think it, it, it will be Chelsea who he joins. I don't see him going to Manchester United now. They've gone Barabio. I, I don't really see anyone else coming in. I mean, there is a slight concern around if Bernardo Silva goes to Barcelona, whether Manchester City could Manchester City have actually bid for De Jong in the past. Um but as we sit here today on Tuesday, that hasn't happened. And as we sit here today, were he to leave Barcelona, I think he would join Chelsea. Um, but like I say, his last word to Barcelona seems to have been that he wants to stay. Yeah, I, I, I was checking Twitter this morning and there's some links of people saying like, yes, Bernardo has agreed terms. But again, that doesn't mean it's done, ladies and gentlemen. That just maybe means he's got personal terms with Barcelona. Uh, still a long ways to go with there. Um so then I guess as far, it's kind of interesting, like I've been complaining about the midfield and maybe I'm wrong for that, but it seems like Chelsea are not concerned whatsoever. N'Golo Kante, Jorginho on the last year of the contract, a little bit older. We know they've missed a lot of time last season. Ruben, Ampadu kind of can flex. You, you've got some, you know, Connor coming in with fresh legs and things like that. Mason can drop in. I guess do Chelsea just feel like they have enough depth? It's not an area of concern with them. Well, look, I think they'd like to do Frankie De Jong, and if Frankie De Jong came in, that I still think if he came in early enough, there'd be a chance of Jorginho leaving before the transfer window shut. That's more of an opinion than based on what I've factually been told, um, and it's a bit of a feeling. Um, so I do think there's a possibility of movement there. Look, I know for sure. They've checked on certain midfielders this summer. I'm not going to mention names. And I just don't think some of the guys who you'd be looking at as long-term replacements for Kante, Jorginho, um, are available this summer, quite frankly. So I think that's probably something they've decided they'll have to put on the back burner till next summer. Um, but like I say, I think they'd love to do De Jong if they could. And, and that could free up trying to actually get a fee in for Jorginho and not just have this situation where his, his contract's running towards right till the end. Um, I don't really see anything past him at the moment, or I certainly haven't heard of anything past him. But yeah, I think they they have actually uh, tried a few things this summer that haven't been reported in the press, um, but they've just not been possible and are, are not going to be possible this summer. All right. Um... I get that then. It, it makes sense. Like I said, I just, there's there's going to be a very harsh transition next season, one way or another, <laughs> kind of the way things stand. It kind of feels like the center back game of this summer where everyone was out of contract. Um, who's actually going to stay? Uh, what about the young lad from Villa? Is it Chuck Wameka? Carnes? I'll just call him Carnes. Way Carnes, easier. Yeah. Sounds like Carnes. he's gone into the first team and I mean, I'm sure we're not going to build the midfield around him this season but I guess he at least adds depth do you want my honest opinion on this I have a lot to learn so yes please um I just don't get it I don't get it from the last point of view this is not a Villa fan talking I will be astonished if he makes more than 10 appearances this this season he not through any fault of his own or not through any sort of malice from Chelsea. He's just, there's just so many players in his way. And he might be part of the first team. He'll be training with the first team and I'm sure he'll play in the Carabao and he might make some substitute appearances elsewhere. But I just don't see him playing any football. I, I, 
I don't get it. I do not get it. But I think I put a tweet out. Maybe there's a bit of short-term pain in terms of first-team appearances for for long-term gain uh, on his part. Um, but he he's so far behind so many players. I don't. I just don't see how he gets into that sort of shake-up to play. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And this this I promise you, this is not the Villa fan I'm into. It's not bitterness from a Villa fan. I'd be saying it if he'd come from you know, Everton or Newcastle or someone like that as well. Yeah, I think it, when we heard he went right into the first team, I still don't think there's a lot of expectations, right? It's more of like, oh, this is one for the future. Develop loans were I'm, talked about right away, but... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he went on loan in January, quite frankly. Um, and again, this is a guess. But, you know, if he, if, he, if he can't play enough football, then maybe Tuchel has him around for the front end to sort of teach him and, and have him with the first team squad so he knows what being a Chelsea player is about and he knows what they want from him. And yeah. maybe they learn out from January. Or maybe they do a whole season of that with him making a few appearances. And then, if he, again, if he's still not quite close enough to the team and then loan him out. Look, he's clearly... I've seen him play for Villa. He's got a little way to go in terms of men's football. But for his age, he's, he's incredible. He's as big a talent as there is out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that'll be exciting. I'm going to speak with Phil at Chelsea Youth this week too, and he'll definitely be one of our uh, topics of discussion. Um, all right, on the kind of the flip side on the outgoings, right? I think what did, I forgot, was it Naz saying we have like 30-some senior players in the squad, which is just too many. Um, you've talked about Ziyech. He will probably go, even United have been linked with him. Uh, insert Ajax, uh, on the CV, therefore Ten Hag is linked with <laughs> them. Um, it, it sounds like you know he'll pretend. It seems like he's kind of in a flex spot. If there's an offer, great, they'll let him move. If not, we're happy to have him. Well, no, like I said, I, I think ZH is going to have to wait it out because I think if they don't bring anybody in, if they can't bring anybody in or don't bring anybody in, I don't think they can let him go. Um, I think he only probably now goes with with Timo going if if somebody at least one comes in. I don't see how they can let Timo Kalaman Hakim go, and Hakim seems the closest to it just based on the squad on on Saturday. So, um, I I would guess that he will. Well, I know that he thinks he'll have to wait till right to the end of the window, and I think that's because he's he's slightly reliant on on what happens coming in. So I don't think it's as simple as if somebody makes a bid, he'll go. It'll it'll depend on the situation. Really? Yeah, I you know I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't be that upset if Hakim stayed for another season. I mean, he's a bit of a luxury player. Accept that, but that left foot, you can't argue with that being Kim a weapon. Some big moments last season, and yeah, um, I, I think he's a useful. I personally think he's a useful squad player, but he he doesn't want to be a squad player, and that's where the problem lies. Which is very understandable for him and his age and his experience. Um, Billy and Mishi potentially to Everton under Senor Frank. Yeah. I don't like the treatment of Billy. It, it feels off. I, do, I don't like it. I don't like the fact he's not being given a squad number. I don't like the fact he was sent from the first team squad on, on the US tour. Something's not right there. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm assured there's not been any sort of row or disagreement or, or Billy misbehaving. Um, it feels it feels wrong to me. It feels it feels bad. I don't I don't like it. Um, I don't quite know why he's been bombed to the extent he's been bombed. You know, I get everyone has an opinion. I get managers want certain players, don't want other players. Frank obviously loved Billy Gilmore. 
Thomas doesn't quite see it. He's had a difficult loan at Norwich. If he doesn't think he can be part of the squad, fine. But to not give him a squad number at this stage before getting rid of him and having relegated him off the, the men's tour just feels a bit like they're slightly destroying the lad's confidence. And I, I just don't like it. I don't. It, it feels wrong to me. It feels harsh and it feels unnecessarily harsh. Um, he's going to have to leave. He's going to have to leave. Um, I don't... Everton have now just signed Onana and I think they're still in talks over Idrissa Gay. So, and they now need a striker desperately. I think the Calvert-Lewin situation at Everton could be bad news for Billy, I fear, because I think probably before the Calvert-Lewin situation, situation, there's a good chance of Billy going there. Now I'd, I'd put it at 50-50 because all their effort, having got the, the Belgian midfielder in, is, I think is going to go on sorting out that striker issue rather than looking at Billy Gilmore. And they might, they've had to use up a loan on Cody and they might have to use up a second loan on striker. They're certainly not going to use up the second loan on Billy before they've exhausted all efforts on strikers. So that puts him in, back into a difficult position. I feel, I feel really sorry for Billy, actually. For, unless I might not know the full facts, but from what I've heard, the lad's done nothing wrong and he's, he's in a very tough spot this summer. I mean, just based on previous interviews and and things like that, I I think we would all be shocked if he threw the toys out the pram or you know had a tosser because that doesn't seem like him. To your point, he seems much more of the the fabric of I'm just gonna put my head down and work hard and and be quiet mm-hmm. and let my playing do the talking. So hopefully he finds a system that suits him uh, and and loan. He just needs legs next to him. I mean, that's what Lampard always said this and was clear on this. You have to put legs in with him. You have to have a Kante in with him. You have to have a lot of legs around him. You'd need a Gallagher near him if you didn't have a Kante, someone like that. Norwich didn't do that last season. They didn't have a midfielder with those legs around him. And, and you saw that that, that that definitely impacts on Billy's game. And again, at, at Everton, the reason they hadn't signed him already is because they didn't have those legs in midfield. So I think the plan before the striker issue was to actually get the legs into midfield and then potentially bring Billy in with that because Frank knows exactly what he needs around Billy. Um, but the striker issue has just massively put a spanner in the works there. So Mishi? Not to Everton, I wouldn't have oh. thought. Uh, well, I'm only many... going on, I don't know this, but did, did Ch- I can't remember Frank showing any interest in Mitchie whatsoever. No, he was not uh-huh. around the club whatsoever. This is like the loosest like single piece of thread holding this one together. But it's the hope that kills... Matt is a Chelsea fan. I don't know whether you watched. Did you watch him in training in the US match? Yes. He's good in training. He is. It made it, me think that he he's he looks like maybe the classic looks really good in training. For some reason, he can't put it into a match. Because I would actually say in the US, in training, he was the sharpest of all of Chelsea's strikers. He was scoring the most goals in training. He looked sharp. And I sort of... So you look at the team lineups and you're like, why is Thomas putting Mitchie in the starting lineup? It's pointless. But then you watch him in training and you think, mm, he's really impressive in training. So maybe they think, well, is this going to transfer? And for some reason, it just doesn't transfer. And there must be loads of players like that. But it was, I found that fascinating on the US tour, watching how good he is in training in comparison to sort of how disappointing he can be in games. Um, I'd have thought there'll be someone out there that there's so many clubs who are so desperate for strikers all over Europe, and there's so few strikers available that Mitchie on loan, I think, will will get a move at some stage in the transfer window. I don't know uh, when, I don't know when, but I can't, I, I don't think he'll be stuck. I think there'll be someone who takes it. 
right, one one we've kind of talked about. Um, Keppa to Napoli, or just you know him trying to find a new home in general. I think we've talked about like, oh shit, what does that mean for the goalkeepers in Chelsea <laughs> if that happens? But it seems like there hasn't been much movement on that, and since it was kind well, of well, I think there's been I think there's been a lot of talks this week, and it's all back and forth over the wages, over the little fees involved, and st- stuff like that. I still get the sense that there's a good chance it will happen. Um, they seem to be getting down to finer details on it. It has dragged. I actually thought it'd be done by now. So maybe there have been some little stumbling blocks, but there the still seems the will. Napoli certainly don't seem to have walked away from it yet. So they can't be so far apart. Um, and as we discussed, you would just hope that Chelsea have a contingency plan. Do with they? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know. I was really digging for that one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling not to spend 24-7, seven, seven days a week at the moment, Chelsea, yeah. chasing various Chelsea chants, so many of them. I've got to switch off at some point. So I'm sorry, I have nothing on the goalkeepers no other worries. than the Kepa potentially going out. Yeah, is it, I mean, I guess with Kepa, is it really just Napoli or is that the only one interested or are there multiple suitors? I'm assuming it's a wage issue with him as well. How much do Chelsea want to subsidize Kepa's loan? Yeah, look, I don't think there'll be many suitors out, even with him taking a big drop in wages and, and stuff like that. I still think it's always hard to move goalkeepers anyway, because obviously it's a one-man position. It's never easy to move goalkeepers, even some of the best goalkeepers. And then someone in Kepa's position, you know, frankly, if they get the Napoli one done, even at any level, I'd be staggered because I've been saying for a while, I, I thought maybe there's a situation where Kepa was one day just going to have to run down his Chelsea contract to get out. Um I can't imagine there's many suitors around. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's sort of Napoli or bust on that one, really. Okay. Um, Ampadu, is he okay being a squad player? Not okay? Pushing for more? Do you know kind no, of where he'll, he'll he sits? Be, he'll be pushing for more. We, we've talked about before. Tuchel was very interested on the World Cup at the, at the, uh, at the, on Friday. He said that the World Cup's a distraction for many of his players. And I don't think he was just talking about his sort of first team starters. I actually think he's talking a lot about some of his fringe players, probably people like Ampadu, who will be telling him, you know, I, I can't just sit around for the odd game here and there. That Wales are in their first World Cup in 56 years or however long it is. You know, I'm not going to put that at risk. So it'll be people like him as well who are really cranking up the pressure and yeah, I, I think he will be looking. I, I think it was an Italian, is it Speezy or someone who were linked with him last week? But I think he'll be looking hard um, at trying to get out. But of course, Malang Sar has now gone to Monaco. It's, it's agreed he's been having medical. Um, but with Malang Sar going out with Alonso, uh, a deal seems to be done with Barcelona, but that's held up by Barcelona's mad situation. Um Ampadu might just have to wait a little bit on on sort of incomings and, and stuff like that. Chelsea aren't going to want to leave themselves short, but he's not going to want to sit around doing nothing on a, with a World Cup of a couple of well three months away. All right. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, I get that. Players got to do its best for him, especially with the opportunity he has in front of him with the national team. Um, but I, yeah, I think a lot of Chelsea fans are excited to see him slot in. I think Ruben may be coming back into the team and seeming like he's still ahead of Ethan. Probably, he's that's how he's reading the situation. Is is unfortunately he has probably quite a few players to jump over, even though he's got the flexibility to play four different positions. But so. it's yeah, but it, it, it is complicated by the situation of the World Cup. And Tuchel was at pains to stress this last week that 
it's a real problem for him and other managers at the start of this season. And it's a real distraction away from players just thinking about their situation at Chelsea and what's best for them at Chelsea. They're not just thinking, a lot of them aren't just thinking about that. Whereas if the, if the World Cup was in the summer, Ampadu could hang around till January, see, see how it went till January, which is exactly what Ruben did. I, I explained it last week. Ruben sort of had given himself to January and then actually before January had played enough games that he thought, you know what, this is, this is definitely worth sticking this out. You know, I've got myself back into the, into the swing of things here. Um, Ampadu hasn't got that, other, and others haven't got that luxury because there's a World Cup in three months. Yeah, a lot of short-term decisions being made um, versus, like you said, with Ethan being young and having a, such a future ahead of him. He, he's potentially going to make a move that suits him for the World Cup, but maybe not long-term, and, and that's where they stand. All right, dealer's choice. Any follow-ups, and feel free to say, not a chance. Get out of here with Barkley, Kennedy, Aramp, Baba Rachman. I haven't heard anything on, on any of them, to be honest with you. Um, very difficult. But again, there's this... There's, this is why I feel it's so harsh. And Billy, there's this bomb squad at Chelsea at the moment of players that don't have shirt numbers and are just being made very obviously that they're not going to be anywhere near it. And Billy's unfortunately part of that. Mitchie Batshuayi's part of that. And, and Ross, Kennedy and um, Baba are definitely part of that. Matt Miazga went, didn't he? So Matt Miazga's, they've, they've did. Shifted. MLS. I, 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 look, they, they, what I would say about the the Bowley ownership and they've got a history of this at the Dodgers when they went into the Dodgers they just cleared people out and even if they lost money on them or virtually had to pay them to get out they cleared people out I think they will clear people out I think the closer we get to that deadline they will just start clearing because I think that seems to be their philosophy that it's better to get rid even if it costs a bit of money than it is to have unhappy people hanging around who aren't going to be contributing yeah, well, Bully is acting like most of us here in America. He got that line of credit and is immediately spending the cash uh, no matter what he uh, needs to do. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up, Matt. Appreciate you taking us around uh, the traveling circus known as the transfer window and back-to-back uh, -back updates on two weeks in a row, yet there was still so much to talk about. <laughs> and I think I'm back for a third week next week before uh, before I take a little break. So let's see where we are this time next week. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. As always, go follow Matt. Uh, check out his articles uh, on The Telegraph. Uh, that's where all the details and the juicy stuff is. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.